Amen, amen, amen. Why don't y'all go ahead and take a seat. Good morning, how are we doing? Okay, nobody's doing anything, that's great. You're all dead, okay. About to come alive in Jesus' name, all right. This morning we're going to talk about something that's very near and dear and important to all of you here and watching online. It's how to turn your life around. How to turn your life around. How does change actually happen? What does it look like for me to get new ways and new habits, to get rid of old ways, to change, to be going this way and then to be going this way? All of us are asking that question, as we always do in the new year, uh, and we usually get the answer wrong. And I want to help you see today how to actually take a 180 in your life, in the areas of your life where you know you're not headed in the right direction or not doing what you're supposed to do or things in your life that you would like to change but have yet been able to do so. I want to help you today learn the means by which you can turn your life around. That's the goal is for us to, in the areas as needed, and for many of us, a radical change to turn our life around. The question that human beings face so often is, how does change actually happen? How does change happen? How does a person change? How do habits change? How do perspectives change? How do feelings change? How does change really happen? And then how can I take that truth and shove it into my life so I can change? And some of you are thinking, I don't need to change, but my spouse sure does. Okay, get off of that and think about how you need to change today, all right? You need to repent, okay? You're a problem too, all right? I don't need to change, but my kids do. Okay, you need to change, all right? All right, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to go ahead and cut that off right now. If I said you need to turn your life around and you thought of someone else, you need to repent, okay? Right this second, and you need to realize this sermon's for me, okay? All right, all right? Just say that out loud. Say, this is for me. This is for me. This is for me, all right? Don't you dare think about someone else right now. Don't you dare. Unless you're praying for them out of a genuine heart of love. You can do that. But this is for you. Your life needs to change. Some of you might not even realize that yet. And I hope today to present to you, like, why does your life need to change? Some of your lives need to change by actually following and trusting in Jesus. You came here this morning. Praise God that you're here. Jesus loves you, and your life will never change unless you actually turn and follow him. And that's what you need. And some of us need a refreshment in that. And all of us have areas of our life where we need to change. And if we stay stuck in our ways, it will lead to our own destruction. We need to change. You need to change. I need to change. We always need to be changing and growing. Some of us have tried New Year's resolutions. We are, what's today, the 22nd? We are 22 days in, right? And you already quit, and you know it, all right? And you say, well, that new change didn't work out. Well, I want to show you why some of our changes don't work, why often our new ways of doing things don't stick, why, we, why do we default to old habits and old ways of doing things and what kind of power can actually turn a life around? What kind of power can actually turn my thinking around? What kind of power can actually change the way that I live my life so that it can change the outcome of my life? Because the way that you live your life will determine the outcome of your life. So change is important. Because in so many of our lives, we need to change the result. We need to change the things that are going to happen because of the way that we live our lives. So how can I turn my life around? We're going to see this from Acts chapter 26. Go ahead and open your Bible. 
Let's go. All right. The Lord's going to teach us how to change. We are in our third week of our prayer and fasting series. This is the final seven days, all right? And I just gave a little pep talk to some of our leaders, okay? When you're running and you see the finish line, you don't run slower, you run faster, right? Some of y'all are like, I never run before. Okay, well, I don't have a different analogy, but you can understand. You're tired, but you see the finish line, so you run, you run, you run. You may have been doing it halfway most of the time, but you see that finish line, baby, you're ready to run. You're ready to run. You give it your all. That's what I want you to do these seven days, okay? This is not a time to say, well, it's been a good time of fasting. It's been a good season of focusing on the Lord. I'm just going to coast on in, okay? Don't do that. And for some of you, you're like, man, I haven't even started yet. All right, we're two weeks in. Okay, and what the devil wants to say is, it's not worth it. But listen to me, seven days of highly intensive focus on the Lord is more than zero. All right? Don't let the devil discourage you, okay? Get started now. Today's the day, all right? Make the most of these next seven days. And obviously, we hope and we pray for all of us that there are things from these 21 days of intensive focus that we could sustain over time. So that's the last thing you need to be thinking about in terms of these 21 days is what can I sustain? Because as we would all like to just fast from everything all the time and be highly focused on the Lord every day of our lives, that would be wonderful. But if you try to take what you've been doing these 21 days maybe and apply it throughout your whole year, you might feel defeated. It might be too hard. You got to build up some muscle first, some spiritual muscle. So what is it that I can sustain? What have I been giving up? What kind of focus have I had? What can I sustain? You say, some of you say, I mean, I've been giving up social media, and I feel like so much clearer in my mind. I have less anxiety. I feel less depressed. All right. Okay. How can you sustain a good habit of not giving yourself over to the clutter of the world in a way that's reasonable for you over time? You need to be thinking about these things, okay? How can I sustain it? Otherwise, it becomes a flash in the pan, which is what we want to avoid. Uh, a reminder as well, on January 28th, we have Immerse, which is our 12, I mean, 9 to 9, 12 hours of prayer and fasting. We believe prayer is the work. We do this several times a year. Please join us. It's going to be an awesome time. That night, we will have a worship night together uh, with many of the songs that have recently been written here at City Light. It's going to be a great time. And then on the 29th, we have baptism. So if you need to get baptized, some of y'all, that's your first step to change. It's called obedience. You need to get baptized and follow the Lord in that way. Please let us know. We'd love to help you in that process. So Acts chapter 26, we're going to read 12 through 18, and we're basically going to hear Paul's summary of his own change in his life. Okay, this is the short version of Acts chapter 9 that we see Paul give summary. This is the Cliff Notes version of Paul's change that he gives to us himself when he speaks here to the king. All right, verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those that journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We'll stop there. And like I said, this is Paul's summary 
of what happened to him in Acts chapter 9. So it would be good homework for you, a little homework for you this week. Go read Acts chapter 9. Get the fuller version of what happened there. I'm not going to read it all this morning, but this is the cliff notes, the summary. And this is basically a testimony of a man who was going this way to cause destruction in his own life and the lives of others, who did a complete 180 and started going this way. His life completely turned around. And this is the same thing so many of us need, either for the very first time with a dramatic, life-altering, radical change through faith in Jesus, or with a continual, progressive, turning my life towards who Christ is, changing habits, changing areas of my life, freedom from sin struggles, whatever it might be. This is what we all need, a 180. A 180. We need a 180. Turning our way from one way to another. Okay, how do we, how do, we do that? What happened to Paul is what we're going to learn about what happens to us. And here's the secret to life change, okay? It's simple, but it's nothing you're going to hear around the world. You cannot turn your life around, but God can very simple, but this is the secret to life change. You can't change your life. There you go. Bummer. But God can. This is the good news and the bad news all at once. You've been trying to change your life, but listen to me. You cannot change your life. You cannot turn your life around. We all know this intuitively. But let me explain it to some of you. Say, It's very difficult to change ourselves. We know this, okay? It's very difficult to change ourselves. The irony is that even when we have enough discipline to change some of ourselves and our habits, it doesn't actually turn our life around in ways that matter. So listen, listen how this works. You can't actually change the parts of you that matter most about you. But you can change some areas of your life that have a least concern. But don't actually change your life. So listen, we could do this. I can have a better fit body, but I still have an empty soul. So I've changed a part of my life without actually changing my life. I've turned a part of my life around without actually turning my life around. I have a better fit body but an empty soul. I change and I get a new job, but I have the same level of discontentment. It didn't work. I changed my job, same heart, same level of discontentment. As a matter of fact, the grass is not greener on the other side, which we all learn and then we all forget and we think, well, if I just had a new person, a new job, a new life, I'd feel so much better. What a lie. What a lie from the enemy. That's never true. That's never true. How about this one? Circumstances change for the better around me, but the character inside of me doesn't. My circumstances change. Life turns around, but I don't change. And so I inhabit better circumstances as the same bad person. And once again, I bring joylessness, discontentment, jealousy, all of that to my better circumstances. My life has changed around me, but what most importantly, my life hasn't changed within me. How about this? I get out of depression, but I go into fulfilling every desire. My life changes from one sense. I get out of what I'm stuck in, but then because I have no barometer, no way to know which I should change from here, I go out of feeling bad about everything into wanting to feel good all the time. And I fulfill every desire in my heart. And I become a person that's walking in that way. How about this? I become stable in my life, but I'm reliant on worldly means to manage it. And if things begin to fall apart around me, I will, the change that once took place will fall apart. Because, listen, this happens to so many of us. We have discipline to change, but only when the circumstances are ideal. And as soon as stuff hits the fan and the circumstances aren't ideal in the moral anymore, our coping mechanisms take us right back to where we started. 
Because the change happened when circumstances were ideal. The change was superficial, not supernatural, so it didn't sustain. You can change, but not in ways that matter. And some of you have been fooled into thinking, I can turn my life around. I can pick myself up from my bootstraps. I can create a new life. And you have been able to do that maybe in so many ways, but not in the ways that matter. A new job, same discontentment, a better body, but an empty soul. You cannot turn your life around, but God can. So this is what we see from Paul's life. Okay, so if God's the one who turns my life around, how does change actually practically work in my life? And I'm going to show you some things about that, but the big summary of this is first is that God's presence is the place that we make progress. Okay, God's presence is the place that we make progress. This is why we emphasize the encounter with God, especially through prayer and fasting, giving God more attention, more time, placing myself in position to experience who he is. An encounter with God is the very thing that empowers my transformation. So the more I place myself in the conscious presence of God, because remember, obviously, God dwells everywhere, but he chooses to manifest himself somewhere, namely in the word of God, around the people of God. So I have to consciously engage with the presence of God. I have to consciously be aware of who he is. I have to learn and grow in my knowledge of him so that I can actually make progress in his presence. So God's presence is the place we make progress. If I cannot turn my life around, but he can, then I ought to be talking to him a lot. You see what I'm saying? This is the baseline. The reason why you don't read your Bible that much is because you think you can hack it without it. Just be honest with yourself. It's not a lack of desire. It's pride. You think you're good. Me too, to say, I can turn my life around. I can handle the stresses of this day. When I realize I cannot turn my life around, I cannot change my perspective, I cannot change my feelings, I cannot change my habits, I cannot, by will, give myself more fruit to the Spirit, I cannot be more patient today just because I want to be, I cannot be more loving today just because I want to be, but if I place myself in the presence of God, I cannot change myself, but He can change me. Some of you, change is going to be so simple. It's just that you give more priority to God's presence. You give more priority to seeing him in the word of God. You give more priority to prayer. You give more priority to going to Lighthouse during the week and being around God's people. You give more priority to listening to worship music. You just give more priority. You position yourself because it is in the presence of God that we begin to make progress in the things that matter. Which is why these 21 days, you say, man, if you've actually been doing it, you'll say to yourself, and we just had people testify in the room, I feel more clear in my head. I feel more sure in my heart. I feel more aware of who God is. And then as soon as the 21 days is over, we go way back, and then we give that all away. But what happened? What happened? Why? Where did the clarity of mind come from? It came from an emphasis on the presence of God. Where did the confidence and the sureness and the assurance of the heart come from? It came from an emphasis and attention to God. God's presence is the place we make progress. And until I am sure of the fact that I cannot change myself, I will not have the wind behind me to motivate me to go into the presence of God so he can change me. 
The presence of God is the place we make progress, and may I say the only place we make progress, because if I cannot change myself and you cannot change me, my only hope is God. Some of you need to do this in your relationships. You have been trying by force of will and words to change another person without ever going to prayer to ask God to do it instead. Some of y'all's marriages would be so much better if you stopped telling each other how bad they are at things and started praying that the Holy Spirit would work and give revelation. Some of your relationships would be much better if you prayed and you found the place of progress in God's presence instead of the place of progress being in your wisdom and the things you have to say and the things the other person can get right. You have been trying to change yourself and you have been trying to change others and it doesn't work. The only place change happens is in the place of the presence of God. Therefore, I must pray and I must engage with the Holy Spirit so that I can change but so that others can change around me. Stop trying to change everyone around you. Stop, 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 stop. You're getting frustrated. They're getting frustrated with you. Division is growing. Frustration, bitterment, anger, discontentment, relational strife. All of these things happen so often because we're trying to change each other as opposed to just being thankful for the grace of God in one another's life and just taking change to the throne of Jesus. You've been trying by a force of the will, but you can't change someone else, and you can't change yourself. But God can. So, how does change happen? As a good preacher would, I'm going to give you an acronym for change, all right? So this is what I spent all Tuesday morning coming up with, all right? An acronym for change. I hope this helps you remember it, and it goes in order with the passage. Because I'm giving you this because I want you, when you think of the word change, I want you to think of these realities, and I want you to pursue them. Because I'm telling you, if you live according to these truths, you will change. And even the people and circumstances will often change around you. So here's the first one. C, how does change happen? Well, Christ shows up. That's a good start. Christ shows up. What happens in Paul's life? Did Paul wake up and think, huh, I ought to be living my life differently? I'm kind of tired of killing all these people. That seems kind of mean. Shouldn't do that anymore. You know, I'm tired of being mad all the time, you know, just mad at everyone. This is Paul. They need to wake up and think, man, I wonder if I should have a new habit, you know, I should be more peaceful, maybe I should meditate. No, no, no. Paul didn't, he was, he was going this way, and then what happened? Christ showed up. And as soon as Christ showed up, his life changed and turned the other way around. This is true throughout all of the scriptures, is that by the grace of God, this is wonderfully good news, Jesus always makes the first move. Jesus takes the initiative in your life. Jesus comes, and just like in Paul's life, he gives mercy to his enemies, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you are here in Christ, it is because and only because Christ showed up, he took initiative with you. You did not wake up and think, I'm going to make the best decision of my life today. I'm going to finally get it right. No, 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 no. Whether you were a kid and don't, wherever you were at, Christ showed up. He took initiative with you. This is the reality for so many of us, and you can testify to this. You can say, man, this is what happened to Paul. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus, but the good news is that Jesus was looking for Paul. And how many of you, when you reflect on that, you say, man, I wasn't looking for Jesus, but praise God, Jesus was looking for me. 
Praise God. And maybe your worship would be a little more free and your prayers would be a little more devoted and your love would be growing a little bit more if you just had that perspective more often. Man, I wasn't looking for Jesus, but he was looking for me. Praise God, he took initiative. Maybe in the depths of your heart, you give yourself too much credit for the change that has happened in your life. Maybe in the depths of your heart, you think you have a little bit of it. You know, it's because you have a little bit of wisdom. You grew up in a situation, blah, 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 blah. But 2 Corinthians 4 says, but why would you boast in something if the Lord has given it to you? Who boasts in something that he has given? Look at my new car. That was given to me. You know, like, no, you wouldn't say, look at me. This is the reality here to say, Ben, when I realized I could not change my life, and when I realized Jesus did change my life, and when I meditate on the fact that I was going in the wrong direction without any wisdom to do anything different, and my life would never have changed unless Jesus showed up first. You should walk into Sunday service in the morning just thinking, Lord, praise God, I wasn't looking for you, but you were looking for me. And my whole eternity is different because you looked for me and because you found me. Christ shows up. This is true for some of you in the room that Jesus is manifesting, showing, revealing himself to you in the gospel. That through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you can have hope and a new life and forgiveness of sins. Your life will never change until you turn it over to Jesus. If you turn your eyes to Jesus, he will turn your life around. I promise you that. And you've been looking at people in your life, news channels, social media, TikTok influencers. You've been looking at YouTube and trying to find ways. You've been typing in things. How do I change this or that or know this or that or grow in this or that or get out of this or that? And you're looking and you're turning your eyes to everything else except Jesus. And you're stuck in the same place you always were because you cannot change your life. And YouTube influencers cannot change your life. And nobody on TikTok can change your life. And a person with 2 million Instagram followers cannot change your life. And a wonderful professor cannot change your life and a good spouse cannot change your life and good circumstances cannot change your life but Jesus Christ can change your life you say amen but do you believe it I want you to walk in that you're looking everywhere else for change and the only person who can change is Jesus who can change you And for so many of you, for the very first time, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. You will stay stuck with your tires spinning in the mud for your entire life until you finally choose to follow Christ. And Christ has shown up. He has come to earth. He has lived. He has died. He has risen again. He has shown up right now by you hearing the gospel. And it is time for you to put your faith in Christ. Now, so many of you are followers of Jesus Christ, and you say, well, Christ has shown up for me. Well, you need this on a daily basis, and I'm going to give you the typical pastor answer here. You say, well, where does Christ show up? How can I place myself in a position to experience the revelation of Jesus Christ? How can I be somewhere where he is? How do I get this? Because you need this all the time. You don't need Christ to show up once and then he just sets your life in motion. No, you need Christ all the time. You need to know him all the time. You need to grow in him all the time. You need to to learn more about him all the time. So where does Christ show up? It's not complicated. He shows up in the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. 
This is Jesus. He shows up in the Word of God. Where does he show up? He shows up when I pray and when I fix my mind and my attention on him. And something supernatural happens as I meditate on who he is, that he shows up. I come to church. I come to Lighthouse. I place myself in position. I go and I share the gospel. I need him. I I pursue obedience. I run away from sin into holiness. That's where Christ is. Christ doesn't reside where sin is. Christ resides in holiness. And he brings us there. And the more we reside in obedience, the more we'll reside with Jesus. This is how this works. And the more I'm in the book, the more of Jesus that I get. The more time I spend in prayer, the more change happens in my life. It's simple. It's the same answer every day for the rest of your life. If you go to the book and if you get in the word, if you spend time in prayer, if you run away from sin, if you try to be obedient, if you share the gospel and try to bring the kingdom to pass, if you do the things that Christ has told you to do, he will show up. And when he shows up, you will change. You gotta place yourself in position though. You gotta place yourself in position. And some of us just need a repositioning so that we can be where Jesus is. And the reason why your life has changed is because Christ showed up. But the reason you're stuck now is because you're not placing yourself in position. And you need to do that so that you can experience who Jesus is so that in the moment he reveals himself more, your life can change. Okay, that's C, Christ shows up. H, let me use my sign language, okay? H, everybody know how to make an H in sign language? All right, that's how you do it. Okay, H, H is here. I need to hear and respond to his revelation. So Christ shows up, he takes the first step. What does it say in verse 14? It says, I heard a voice saying, and now we see not only did Paul listen to the voice, but also Paul responded to the voice. Christ showed up, Christ took the initiative Christ revealed himself, and now Paul must respond to the revelation. Paul must hear and obey. Paul hears the voice of God, and then he continues to hear the voice of God the rest of his life. This is Paul's, uh, the rest of his life is like this moment. He's hearing, he's listening to God, he's responding to him. And listen to me, I say this with love in my heart. Some of you can't change because you won't listen. You can't change because you won't listen. Christ has revealed himself through the word of God. You've heard what you're supposed to do. You've heard how you're supposed to live. You've heard what brings hope and what brings encouragement. You've heard the things you should run away from and run towards, but you can't change simply because you won't listen. It is on us to respond to the revelation of Jesus Christ, both And the first time as we hear it, and then also continually. But you won't change if you won't listen. Real change happens when I hear what God has said, and I apply it in my life. That's how change happens. I hear what God has said. So I have to position myself to hear the voice of God. All right? And some of you are too free with that. You're walking around just hoping the voice of God shows up. And that's dangerous. You need to be in the book. You need to be in the word. That's where God speaks most clearly. You can discern everything else around you by the word of God. To say, well, somebody has a prophetic word or somebody's speaking or I feel an intuition. Some, okay, that's all well and good in its place. But you gotta have the book. You gotta have the word to give you discernment and direction, to be the, the guideline and the boundaries by which you understand how God speaks. So now I say, I need to be in the word to, so Christ can show up. When Christ shows up in the word, he speaks to me. And now it's on me to hear and to respond to what Christ has said. And this is like a spiritual muscle that you build. The more you practice listening, the better you get at it. The more 
more you practice obedience, the more quickly you do it. And this is something that builds over time, over a lifetime to say, as I hear and respond to his revelation, I become someone who not only hears well, but hears more. Because the Lord says to whom, uh, whoever is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And if I listen to the little things that God has said, he'll give me more. And some of you can't go deeper in your relationship with God because you won't listen to the first things that he has said to you. If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. If you listen well to the first thing, then Christ will grant the second thing. But you can't go deeper unless you first listen. Listen and obey. So hear. And hearing isn't, right, I've given you this analogy probably five times, but I think it's the most helpful for us to understand. I'll say it quick because half of you probably already know what it is, is, okay, when I talk about listening and hearing, right, remember, if I tell my kids, go clean your room, and they come back to me an hour later, and I say, um, did you listen to me? And they can repeat back to me what I said. They said, yes, Father, you said go clean your room. And I say to them, well, did you clean your room? And they say to me, no, Father, I did not clean my room. And, but they say, but I listened to you because I heard what you said and I can repeat it back to you. You said to me, go clean your room. I heard what you said. You said, go clean your room. I was listening. What would I say? This is obvious, but this is how we do it with the Lord. I would say, that's not listening. Listening would have been to clean the room. Listening requires not only hearing, but applying. And some of us have settled, and we've kind of conveniently helped our consciences be clear or feel better by saying, I listened and I heard what God said. And God's saying, you never listened to me because you didn't apply. This is Matthew 7 when people say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? Didn't we listen to you? And he says, no, you never listened to me. And he says, depart from me, because this is what, listening is truly responding to who God is. It's doing things God's way. You're not listening to God if you can simply know what he said. You are listening to God when you do what he said. And if you're faithful to do what he has revealed, he will reveal more. This is how it works. You want to go deeper? Praise God. Then start being obedient to the simple things in front of you. Some of you want more, but you're still being faithful with less. This wouldn't work in any circumstance in your life. Okay, here. I hear and respond to his revelation. I listen. Okay, A. So that's C, Christ, H, here. A, this is A. Okay, A is a point. A point. Verse 16, he's appointed. So he appoints me to his service. So how does change happen? Christ shows up. He reveals himself. In his presence, I make progress. I listen and I hear what Christ has said. I respond in obedience. I start to live out the things he has revealed to me. That's H, I hear. Then A, a point. Because of this and my relationship with Jesus now being solidified through what he has done and confirmed by my obedience, now Christ, A, appoints me to his service. So after this encounter and response, these two things have happened. The relationship has been healed. Paul is now one with God. And at this point of a healing relationship, Christ appoints Paul as a servant and a witness. So look at this. I have appeared to you for this purpose. This is wonderful. So now he calls Paul a servant and a witness. Paul has an appointment. Listen to me. It's important you need to write this down. Okay, it's a change in identity that leads to a change in purpose. Hear this. You cannot change direction without changing the person. 
You see, this is backwards to what you think. It's a change in identity that leads to a change in purpose. Paul has a new identity being one with God, being one of God's children, and being particularly here a servant and a witness. It's the change in identity that changes his purpose. Therefore, you cannot change direction in life until you change the person who's living the life. And some of you, listen to me, this is your problem. You're trying to change direction without changing the person. You're trying to alter your course without looking inside of yourself. You're trying to get new habits and new ways of life, but never changing on the inside. You're trying to change direction without changing the person. But what you need is a settled identity in Jesus. I will never share the gospel until my identity is a witness. I will never pursue holiness until my identity is righteous with God. I will never forgive others until I am one who is forgiven. Change happens because of who you believe that you are. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is it. This is your life. Whatever you believe about yourself, you will live out. You will live according to what you believe about yourself. I cannot encourage you enough, preach well enough. We can't set up structures enough. Nobody in your life can do this enough to say, well, you should do this and you should do that. That'll never happen. And if you do change, it'll only be for a minute. You've been working on a new direction. I'm going to pick up this new habit. I am going to share the gospel. I'm going to go. But it's not going to hold and sustain. Why? Because you don't just need a change in direction. You need a change in person. You need an appointment from God, and you need to be called out by God as someone, which he's already done in Christ, say, you are my child, you are my chosen one, you are my ambassador, okay? This is exactly how 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 works, all right? I'm going to summarize it for you, but it says, listen, the old is gone, the new has come, I'm a new creation in Christ, and then verse 17, 16 and 17 are connected to 18 through 20, which is all about being a minister of reconciliation, being an ambassador of Christ. So how does someone go from being Christ's enemy to Christ's messenger. They had a change in identity. They had a change in identity to say, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Therefore, I am an ambassador of Christ. It's not just I ought to speak about Christ. My identity has changed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I would not be living out my identity if I did not share and witness. I have been forgiven. I would not live out my identity if I do not forgive. I have been extended grace. I will not live out my identity if I do not extend grace. You see, you're you're trying so hard to be gracious, trying so hard to forgive. You're trying so hard to get rid of this old habit. You're trying so hard, and the Lord knows you're trying so hard, but you're doing it the wrong way. You cannot change direction until there's a change in person, and there cannot be a change in person until you're placed in the presence of God. And some of you need a change in person. You need a shift in identity. You need to consciously own who you are because you will live according to whatever it is you believe about yourself, which is why so many of us get in trouble and say, well, I started down this wrong path, and someone will say, well, I'm not worth it anymore, so I'm just going to give myself away to everyone else. Why? Because it's an identity thing to say, well, because I've done such and such, this is who I am, and so I ought to live according to this way. We all live according to what we believe. And if you spend most of your time talking to yourself or listening to YouTubers or influencers, you will live according to what they believe about you. And what you need to live is according to what God believes about you. 
I mean, I can literally whittle down 90% of the struggles into your life and the fact that you are listening to someone else other than God. You're listening to yourself. You're listening to people you love even. You're listening to friends and family members. You're listening to people on the news. You're listening to everyone else other than God. And they're all saying things that aren't true about you. And you will live according to what you believe about yourself. The end, end of story. It doesn't matter what motivational book you read. It doesn't matter what thing you try to implement. You will always live according to what you believe about yourself. And that's it. That's the truth. And until you have a shift in identity, you cannot have a shift in purpose, and you cannot change direction without changing the person. Now, this should make us feel, oh, man, I obviously can't do that. But that's the whole point of the sermon. You cannot change yourself, but God can. So start living in your new identity. Spend more time getting your identity right before the Lord. Who are you in Jesus Christ? What kind of hope do you have? If I really settled in to the truth, uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor, nor the, the heart of man imagined what God has in store for those who love him. And if I just sat on that and said, oh, this is my identity. This is who I am. I am wrapped up in this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. It hasn't even come into my heart, the wonderful things God has in store for me. And if I sit in that, this is who I am, then how could I live hopeless, you know? This is who I am. I let the Lord tell me who I am. I let the Lord tell me what my future is. I let the Lord tell me those things. Some of you are letting other people tell you what your future is, what kind of stuff you can do or can't do, whether you have hope or not, how life's going to turn out or not. You need to stop listening to them and start listening to God. Your future is what God says it is. Your identity is what God says it is. Your value is what God says it is. Your purpose is what God says it is. So this year, I encourage you to work on and place yourself in position for Christ to reveal who he is and for him to give you an assurance of a new identity. And this is, once again, true for so many of you here watching online. You're not in Christ yet through faith in him. Therefore, you do not have a new identity. And listen to me, you cannot live a new life with the old you. You can't. And that's why you've been trying all your life to live a new life with the old you. You don't need a new direction. You need a new person. You need Jesus. And you need Jesus to give you a new heart. Because your old one's not working. You cannot change direction unless you change the person. It's a change in identity that leads to a change in purpose. Now look, I love this part. He says, this is so wonderful. Jesus is so wonderful. I mean, Paul's literally on the road to kill his followers. And Jesus is so merciful. I mean, just think about it for a second. I mean, Paul is like the worst, you know. And Jesus is like, that's my dude. You know? That's my dude. I'm about to show up and wreck his life, you know in a good way. Jesus is so kind. I want you to feel that this morning. You might be a complete mess. And maybe you've made a lot of awful decisions. And maybe your life is a total wreck right now. Well, God brought you here to tell you that he loves you very much. You're his person, you know. He wants you in his family. There's no thing you can do that's too bad for the grace of God. And he has appointed this day for you to come and hear and respond to his revelation of who he is for you. Because Jesus says this to Paul. He says, verse 16, but rise and stand on your feet. Rise and stand on your feet. So many of you are trying to rise up on your own. It's not working. 
Jesus says, rise and stand. He did this so often throughout the scriptures as well in the gospels. He would meet people in the midst of their mess, in the midst of their sin, and he would often heal them, and then he would say something like this, uh, go and sin no more, your faith has made you well, which is the same thing as rise and stand, which is to say, you were once laying down in shame and burden and in guilt. You were once stuck in your own wisdom, in your own ways, in your own destruction. You were once down in the pit and you had no way to get up. You were a paralyzed man with legs that didn't work. You simply could not rise and stand. You could not move forward in your life. But God is saying to you this morning through the grace and the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of you, no matter what your situation in life is, he is looking at you and he is saying, rise and stand. Rise and stand. You may feel stuck, but don't stay there. Rise and stand. Don't stay in your old ways. The Lord is with you. Rise and stand. I see you in your mess, God says. I've seen your sin and your rebellion. Rise and stand. You may not know what to do next, but trust me. Rise and stand. Don't stay where you are and don't trust yourself and don't stay stuck in your old ways. Rise and stand. God looks at each one of you and he says, rise and stand. Why? Because I have an appointment for you. I have a purpose for you. Rise, get up out of bed. I have a purpose for you. Some of you are struggling. You're depressed. You're feeling anxious. You don't know if you have a reason to keep moving. And listen to me. Jesus looks at you. He says, my child, rise and stand. Don't stay stuck there. Rise and stand. Don't rise in your own strength, but hear and respond to who Jesus is. Christ is calling all of you. He has an appointment for your life. Your life matters. Your life has purpose. You have a reason to live. Christ has appointed you for something incredible. So rise and stand and live the life God has called you. So that's A, a point. N. So we have C, Christ, H-A-A-N-N. So it's like this in sign language, new, new. Because of all this, I head in a new direction. So it says here, he says, Paul, like, to whom I am sending you about these new people. So Paul has a new direction. He's actually going to the same people, but with a new mission. He's going to many of his own people as well with a new mission. This new direction all started with an encounter with God. So Paul was set on a path to destroy Christians, and now he has been set on a path to help them. He has a change in purpose, and this purpose gives him a change in direction. Now, some of you are giving yourself your own assignment, and therefore you're heading in the wrong direction. The appointment is directed with the assignment. I cannot head in the new direction if it's a new direction I've planned out for myself, which is why so many of you end up at a dead end. Why? Because that new path you had paved for yourself. It wasn't a direction according to the appointment. It was a direction according to your preference. It was a direction you thought you should be headed in, which is why it's so important to hear and to listen to God, to be in his presence, to consult the word. You need direction from the Lord. Some of you are heading in a new direction, but it's gonna have a dead end because it's not the direction God has appointed for you. It doesn't match or align with the appointment. It is the appointment and the mission and the identity shift that informs the new direction. So the new direction is a byproduct of all this stuff that's happened on the inside, revelation of Jesus. Okay, the new direction is not Paul looking around trying to make the best of his life. The new direction is not, well, if I did this or did that, which is kind of what we do. We assess, we say, well, if I do this, my life will be this. But we never consult to God. And we didn't make this new direction in line with the appointment God has given us in the first place. God has called you, just like Paul, a servant and a witness. All of your life should be oriented around these things that I ought to serve and I ought to be a witness is what I'm here to do. 
So your direction has to be in line with your appointment. Otherwise, it'll be at a dead end. So to those of you who feel like you're at a dead end in life, it is probably because you gave yourself directions. And the directions that you laid out were not in line with God's appointment. Now, the encouraging news to this is when you do get direction from the Lord, which comes clearly in the scriptures, it's not a mystery, God's will is not unclear, it's blatantly obvious, okay? You don't have to ever worry about that. If you're doing what the Bible says, you are doing God's will 100%, you're good to go. The new direction, when it comes from the Lord, comes with a guarantee of, of use, it comes with a guarantee of operation. So here's the truth about your life in Christ and the direction that you had that's been appointed by him is this. When God sends you, nobody can stop you. When God sends you, nobody can stop you. And like Paul, even if they cut off your head, everything you live for will continue. How unbeatable are you that you can be dead and your mission still remain? Unbeatable. Now here's the thing about some of your missions is they're not connected to the mission of Christ, so your mission dies with you. This is what it means to live for something bigger than yourself, which the whole world wants to do, but nobody knows how. Why? Because nobody knows what the bigger than myself thing is apart from belief in Christ. We're scrambling, we're guessing. You were made to live for something bigger than yourself, but how many of you, your mission would die when you do? Your assignment would end with you. How many of you is that true? The way you spend most of your days and the thing it's aimed at would end and die when you do. It would stop when you quit. It would be done when you give up. No, 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 this is bigger than that. When I align my life with the appointment of God and I head in the direction based off my identity in him, when God sends me, nobody can stop me. So now, even though I face opposition, I know from the front end that nobody can stop me. I will not be stopped. The mission will not be stopped. The gospel will not be stopped. The Lord will not be stopped. And I am his. I am his witness. So if God won't be stopped, then the witness of God's not gonna be stopped. If the mission of God can't stop and I jump on the mission of God, then I cannot be stopped. So when God sends you, nobody can stop you. It's a sure thing. You need to live with confidence in who God is and what God has for you. And this needs to be in the back of your mind because you're supposed to walk by faith because it'll feel like you are being stopped. It'll feel like it's not working. It'll feel like the opposition's too great. But as we talked about last week with the walls of Jericho, right? Greater opposition is just a greater chance to see the greatness of God. If God sends you, nobody can stop you. G, gospel. This new direction is all about the gospel. So look what he says. My mission now is to take people from darkness to light, to turn from Satan to God. This is the reality for everyone here at one point in time and for many of you still today that apart from Christ, we are captives to the devil. We are in the devil's army. We are part of his squad, okay? This is not good. It's not gonna work out good for you. And so the Lord now sends Paul and he sends others who know Jesus to go and share the message of Jesus with others. The message of Jesus' life, his perfect life, lived for us, his death on the cross for us, and his resurrection to provide salvation from sin. I go and my entire life is now oriented around the gospel. So even though I go and do certain types of work or have certain types of job, and obviously I'm not, I'm not doing Excel sheets and spelling out gospel in my Excel sheets, you know, I'm not doing that, but I am orienting my entire life and perspective around the idea now that I have been sent as a witness, particularly to the gospel. My entire life should be lived in light of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. 
I should remind myself of that often. I should certainly talk to people about it often. I should worship God often for this. My new direction is all centered around the gospel. It is oriented around the gospel. It is for and because of the gospel. I come from, right, gospel salvation and into gospel mission. So everything is reoriented around that, and therefore I ought to consistently live my life in light of the gospel wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. My new direction is all about the gospel. The gospel should inform how I work. Now that's gonna take wisdom to figure out how does this apply in this particular setting, but it should inform how I work. The gospel should inform my relationships with others. Once again, if I have been forgiven, how could I withhold forgiveness from others? The gospel should inform my confidence to say, oh, if Christ died and rose again, if he who is for me, you know, no, if God is for me, nobody can be against me, so I'm good, I'm gonna keep moving. So the gospel informs these things. If Christ is risen, the gospel informs my hope. I have a future, you see? So the gospel, or my whole life, my hope, my future, my present, my work, my family, my relationships, it's all oriented around the reality of the gospel. Therefore, if I don't think much of the gospel or if I'm a Christian who's known the gospel a while but has moved away out of that, which is a very bad thing to do, moved away from that into something deeper, my life is actually going to be off course because it's not oriented around the gospel. So this new direction is all about the gospel. You should consider how I can, I can make this more real in my life. Okay, I need to wrap this up. E, eternal. My life now makes an eternal difference. So verse 18, I love this. He says, so they turn from darkness to light that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and here's the word, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Here's the simple reality of your life. When I find my place, I can help others find theirs. Look what he's saying. Paul has a place now. He has a place in God's family. He has a place in God's home. He has a place in heaven. He has a place of forgiveness, a place of grace, a place of belonging, a place of security, a place of peace, a place of joy. Paul has all this now from God, and his mission now is to help people find their place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When I find my place, I can help others find there, but when I'm still looking to find my place, I will be of no help to others finding which is why it's so important for you to be settled in these realities about who God is for you because when your identity is secure in the Lord you have your place then you have a place from which to work so that you can help others find their place when I find my place I can help others find theirs the final aspect of change in my life is that it makes an eternal difference and I live for the things of eternity so as we said in the beginning you cannot change your life but God can Turn your eyes to Jesus and watch him turn your life around. All right, let's pray and let's respond to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Oh, Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray for real, supernatural, only from the Lord, Holy Spirit, full of faith, revelation of Jesus, glorifying the Father, eternal realities types of change in our lives. I pray that you would keep us from changing in ways that don't matter and that we would be dependent on your spirit to change in the ways that matter most. Thank you for your grace with us. Thank you for your patience with us. We are so slow to change, but you are so kind and gracious. And so, Lord, I pray that all of us would make progress even today in your presence, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would listen and respond in obedience. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.